This video presentation represents a new platform that we're going to be working with to help individuals tell their story about different struggles that they've been through and how they can help other people to learn life lessons without going through the experience. So if you're interested in sharing your experiences outside of the Watchtower profile, drop us a line at info at hiddenstruggles.com. Now, my upcoming guest, she has an interesting life experience that she would like to share. So please welcome Rashana. Hi, Lady C. I'm so glad to have you on the program. It's Thank about time, you. girl. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy that you could be here because you have a wealth of information. Your energy level is always on point and you really can motivate an audience. You want to just kind of give us a little bit of background about your, your upbringing and the type of household you grew up in. Um, I was raised as a Jehovah Witness, even in school. I was one of those weird kids that didn't do Christmas, Halloween, you know, all the my birthday. And so that also separated me a lot of times from the students. And more so what separated me is the fact that I knew I couldn't be friends with them. And so just to give you a little background on how strict my parents were, um, I had one time a student call me uh, just to say hi, a, a young girl. And my mom asked her, what God does she serve? And so the girl said, Jesus. And my mom said, wrong answer and hung up. <laughs> And so <laughs> there's other people that have the similar story I heard about as I, I left the organization. But that's how that's how strict my parents were. So I did not have any association with those who were not witnesses. Yeah, that I, I haven't heard that one, but that 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 sounds about right. Did you overhear your mom saying it to the little girl or did she come back and tell you that when you got back to school? No, she told me when I got back at school in front of other students and they all laughed. So, yeah, that was not only did she know about it, but half of my class knew about it, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So how did that go over, uh, you know, like for the next couple of weeks, what was happening in your class after that? Well, a lot of people didn't say too much about it, but people never asked for my phone number either. <laughs> Oh, my. So you were kind of like isolated from your classmates? Yes, yes, definitely. And also, too, I was an elder's kid. And so an elder, you know, of course, in the organization is, is someone who takes the lead, like kind of like a deacon, I would say. And so um, we had me and my sister had to um, be on our best all the time. And I think that that was something that as we got older was very difficult for us, especially in teenage years. Um, everyone's watching you all the time. Everyone is observing like, you know, my dad, of course, wants to keep his privileges. And so those things were a constant pressure on us. It was as if we couldn't fail in any way, like we needed to uh, be dressed appropriate, out in service all the time, making sure we had comments. And if we didn't get called on, have backup comments. So, you know, making sure that we always had this this um, presence, you know, to others that we were well behaved, that we were um, spiritually strong. And so that I think growing up with that feeling all the time is very, very draining. 
Yes, it is. And so it's like a lot of people say that it ends up being um, like a double life situation because, you know, you act one way at the Kingdom Hall and then you act another way in front of your friends because you're just trying to fit in. How, how did that yeah. affect you? Definitely. You know, the thing, too, I would say with that is we were kind of taught at an early age to be people pleasers because we know in the organization we don't want to stumble anyone. We have to make sure that we are being tactful, that we are humble, that we are encouraging. And so it's never about yourself. It's about for other people all the time. And I think I was telling you about this before, but I feel like we were raised just like um, in coming to America, the first one where he meets his 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 future bride for the first time and he has a conversation with her and he's like, tell me about yourself, you know, and she's like, he's like, what do you like? And she's like, anything you like and, or, you know, what do you like to eat? Anything that's you, you. So it's like it's that same way. I feel like we were just raised to think about others consistently about how they view us and never really have time to stop and think about ourselves and our own identity. Yeah. And, and, and it's like a lot of people don't realize this, but the moment that a Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door and you open the door and they show you that beautiful paradise and they begin to tell you about how you can live here is the moment they begin to get you to think, to stop thinking for yourself. Yeah. That first knock on that door is, is grooming you into we're not going to allow you to start thinking for yourself. How difficult was it for you to find out who you actually were? You know, I am sad to say it took a couple of years, a little bit more to really figure that out because of the fact when I left, I went into the mode of where do I go next? What religion do I follow? So then I had to be like, okay, chill. You don't need to do that yet. <laughs> Just like live in the moment that you're out of that religion. So that was a process itself. And then after you have that, it's like, well, what do I like? Who am I? You know? And so for a while, I strongly identified as a XJW. It was on my profiles. It was just who I, it was almost like if someone asked me, I'm like, I'm an XJW. <laughs> I like that was what I stood for. And I still feel that way, but it still wasn't who I was. And that took time. I had to figure out who I was without the organization. And there were some scary moments where I'm like, what do I want to do? Um, what, where do I go next? You know, all of those things. And so um, gradually it started to work out where I knew that I wanted to go to college for sure. And then getting into college and, and learning how to do all of that and then meeting people and um, not trying to copy what who other people are, of course, because I think that's also too can be a trap when you group yourself with people. You try to find your identity in, in those individuals, but that still isn't you. It's them. So that also was a journey for me to be like, OK, and the organization, we agree on everything. But. I may have a friend that we don't agree on things or class discussions that we had 
where I was just shocked that people felt a certain way. And I'm like, oh, that's just, you know, I, I summed up that person. And so that was about me, not them. It was the fact that I had to learn that I needed my separate identity. I don't need to agree with everyone. They don't need to agree with me, which took time to learn. But it is, it's a journey. It really is. I can't tell anyone like you get it the next day. It's really just a process. But but once you find it, it's such a, a moment of happiness and contentment. What do you think? How do you think you processed everything? How did you get, you know, where you are today? What, what, what things did you put in motion to get to where you are now? Yes. So the first thing that I did was go find a therapist. Um, the first therapist was not for me. And that's something that I learned is that, you know, not every therapist is your fit. And I did end up finding the right therapist for me. And um, it's been an amazing journey because I, ha I had to acknowledge that there were things I just didn't know. And I also had to acknowledge that I was hurting because when I left the organization, I left and no one spoke to me. And from going from a baby to having hundreds of people communicate with you for your whole life to no one saying a word to you is a very shocking feeling. And it is a very painful feeling. And so I carried that pain with me a lot. And I carried it into other relationships and other friendships because I was always thinking this friendship is not going to last because they're going to leave just like everyone else. And so I continually stayed in that pain. And one thing my therapist said, and many people have said this is hurt people, hurt people. And so I had to get to a point where I wasn't hurting anymore. And what helped so much was getting that therapist, talking to you, someone who has experienced this because you gave me great insight and you listened to me without judgment. And I, Greatly appreciate that. I had other XJWs too that I communicated with. And just to know that we all kind of had that pain, but that just to see them living their lives and getting through that. So that gave me hope. Talking about it, talking about my fears, because I was scared. I mean, I was very scared because I was like, this is it. Like, who's got my back? <laughs> I mean, besides my family, of course, I know. And I always felt you did like, where do I go? What do, what do I have? And so there was a whole year um, that I took off and did not. And I shouldn't take, say take off, but I intentionally did not get involved in relationships. Like, for instance, I intentionally didn't pick a church because you know, I needed time to process that. I intentionally didn't build relationships because I needed to fix myself and I needed to get over the pain. I needed to find out who I was. I needed to do work. And my therapist continued that journey with me, going and meeting with her, acknowledging my mistakes and working on them really hard. And finally getting to this point where I feel like I'm okay and that I am building relationships now with friends. 
that are amazing. And so it is a process. Like I, I wish I could be like, and you know, you just have your identity and you're great, but it is work and it is being honest and acknowledging, you know, I can't put all the blame on my parents. You know, they did it because they thought it was a good religion. So, you know, there was points where I had to say like, this is what happened to me. This is what I was in, but it does not define me. And it does not say this is where I'm headed in my life. Right. Now, I know we had also talked about how you had mentioned, you know, you know, issues. I don't want to say what you, I don't want to tell people what you talked about to your therapist about, but we kind of talked about how whenever you found someone that you could become friends with, it always ended up being toxic or you were being drawn to the same type of people that you had left from the religion. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is when you're in the organization, you don't really get to pick your friends. They're just the people in the hall. <laughs> and you may think like, I don't like sister know-it-all. I don't like sister busybody. I don't like sister gossiper, but you still have to go out and fill serves with them. You still have meals with them. You still sit next to them during the assemblies. So you're taught like, get over it. This is what it is. And so also too, as a witness, we're taught to help our Bible studies. We know that they are going through difficult things. So we help them. We offer them rides. We pick them up. We take them to the kingdom hall. We get them all the way into baptism. And then sometimes we even go past that. And so I think that was the mentality that I still had was that I either had to put myself in situations with people that were not my people. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have to do that anymore. I could literally say, I don't need to pick a friend like this. It's not good for me. You know, it, this isn't, I, I can be cordial, but I don't have to extend myself. Also helping other ones. Um, of course, it's, it's great to help a friend, but it can become a lot if they need you a lot. It can become extremely draining, especially when you're in the process of waking up yourself and understanding things more and trying to figure out your own identity. So I remember talking to my therapist and I'm like, that's it. I give up on friends. I'm doing something wrong. I just keep getting these people that like, what is what am I doing? And she's like, who are you, though? Like, once you spend time with yourself, you will start to pick the people and they will be drawn to you when you change. And so that's why I said I took that time for myself because I'm like, well, man, who am I? <laughs> like, right. I don't know who I am. And, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying like that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Who, like, I'm some, I don't understand. Yes, I know yeah. who I am. I totally understand. I totally understand because yeah. see, when we were Jehovah's Witnesses, we were like, you had to fix people. You know, because, you know, everyone that was attracted to this religion, you're going out, you're knocking on the door, you're trying to bring somebody into the organization because you're thinking that you're saving another soul. Right. So at this yeah. point, it's like every person that comes to the door needs to be fixed, you know, yeah. because when they saw that picture of paradise, they needed to be there. They could picture <laughs> themselves playing with the with the calves and the and the bears and, you know, whatever else was in those pictures, you know. But and they said, don't and, you want to live forever? That's right. <laughs> and so we got to. And so now you leave the religion. And like you said, you make a good point. You're like, who am I? What's my identity? Because now it's like, you know, you, you all you can do is remember what you learned. You patterned 
yourself after this belief system. And no matter who the people were, if they were toxic people, you were required to love them, be around them. You know, you had a bad experience, but you got to go back into the ring with them next week. You know, and it's one of those things where you, you had to tolerate bad behavior for no reason. Now you leave the organization and it seems like you're gravitating to the same type of an element of a person where you really can't get around people that can be a good influence on you, where you can be like iron sharpening iron and get into the next level in your life, you know? So how is that happening? How are things working for you now in the friend department? Has anything changed? Oh my gosh. Everything has changed. I mean, once I remember going, I remember going to my therapist and I said, you know what? Not going to do the friend thing ever. I just can't figure it out. I can't do it. (laughs) And she looked at me and she's like, okay, listen, you can do it, but you have to know what you're doing. And of course we talked about that. And again, you know, going back to who am I, those that, will be drawn to what you think, what you feel and positivity. I cannot tell you how much better the friends that I have in my life right now, including you, it has, oh, I've never had this kind of support and love. Sorry. Take a I've moment. Never- Take a moment. Compose yourself. Compose yourself. Where's your Kleenex? Ooh. Okay. We're here for you. I've never had this kind of support and love. It's so amazing. And it comes without conditions. And it comes without being scared they're going to leave me. I never think about that in the back of my head. Never. And it comes with positivity, with love, like unconditional love. There's no conditions with them. And we disagree on things or we have certain opinions about things, but it's all in good nature. It's fine. We can talk about it. I'm enlightened by seeing other sides of things. And it's just been so wonderful. I mean, it's been, I'm, I feel so good about the relationships I have now. So that's why I really wanted to talk to you about this subject, because sometimes we feel like we're in these situations and they're going to be like this forever, you know, but they're not. When you put in the work with yourself, when you really change how you feel about things and the outlook on things, like all of these things just turn around for you. And I am just so happy with the people that I love right now. So, and the friendships that I made, and I'm so excited for the future relationships I'll make too. Yeah, that's, that's really good because you can look at the progress of your life. And I really like what you said about, you know, you don't have to um, have friendships that have conditions. So um, you want to kind of do you want to do you want to talk anything about um, your exit from the group and how that affected you and your relationships with your family? And, you know, you want to kind of like drill Um, down into that. 
Yeah, definitely. So I could talk. Okay. Um, you know, when you leave the organization, um, the way I left it, because some people leave it very gradually. I left it and was like, can't do this no more and was very clear about it. Um, we are taught in the organization, if you encounter a person like this, to disassociate yourself from them. Even though I've never been disfellowshipped, I have the full effects of being disfellowshipped. I have the uh, two sisters who babysat me, watch me, chaperone me and my husband, come down the same aisle as me in a grocery store and literally stop, look like I was about to attack them, turn their carts around and left. And so when you encounter that and you continually encounter that, you're kind of like, wow. So all those years, all of that, I love you, Sister Greer, all of that meant absolutely nothing. Like, it's just, you can cut a person off. And the same thing with my parents. Like, you know, you birthed me. <laughs> you know, I lived with you for most of my teenage years and you raised me and yet you can say, I'm not going to communicate with this child ever. And that's hard because I'm a mother and I can't process that. I can't. I can't process the doing that to my kids. It just, I can't think of it. And, and even when I think of like, there might be a disagreement between us as they get older, I'm like still going to be at the door like, hey, let's work this out and let's move on. Because I can't see cutting off your child. And so when you go through those things, it makes you hard. And it makes you hurt. And so even though you're like, yeah, you know, this happened. If you don't deal with it, it comes out in every way. It comes out in how you talk to people. It comes out in your relationship. It comes out in how you deal with, you know, work, school, whatever you're doing. It comes out because you are hurt and you have to get through that hurt somehow. That's you know, true. I can't I can't say you're not going to be hurt. Yes, you are. And if you need to sit with that, sit with it, but don't live with it. So you have to figure out a way to get through that. Either it be group counseling, it be meditation, whatever your thing is, you have to do something in order to get past that step. Right. You know, I, I kind of like the idea of what you're saying about the identity crisis, because I think that when you're part of a, a situation or a group like this, you have to do everything that supports the mission of the group. So when you were in the Jehovah's Witness religion, you know, what type of rewards were you seeking outside of living in this paradise earth that they kept promising to people? Oh, yeah. So I always wanted to be in the drama. At the conventions. That was one of my goals. Never happened, but I did get to be on the stage and get parts. Um, I was a regular pioneer when I turned 16. Um, and I did that for like four years, got off after I had my son and then uh, got back on again for a couple more years. Um, with that, you know, you get to go to the pioneer school and 
people look at you more for different parts. So I'm not going to lie, like that was nice. (laughs) And the fact of, you know, like when I was in it, I thought that was pretty much all I could, especially as a woman, do really, you know, is get the the privileges that I could. If I was a brother, I'd probably be working to get it be a circuit overseer. I just know myself, like I am always reaching (laughs) for the next position, you know, but that was never a possibility for me there. So, yeah. So it is kind of interesting how um, we were taught to, to, to worship this religion instead of belonging to a religion and having a spirituality or being a spiritual individuals, we were actually working like we were working a full-time job. Yeah. I mean, I basically was getting hours (laughs) as a full-time, you know, because I was out from like early morning into evening times, sometimes early, early morning. And so it was, it consumed your whole life. And that, that touches on another subject too, because we are so, our minds are made that way. They call us sheep. They call us slaves. I remember growing up uh, in the congregation, there was a brother who would always say this every morning for Phil's service. He said, all right, get out there, you good for nothing slaves. And we would all just be like laughing and smiling. And so I was telling my therapist about this and she like stopped me and she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm telling the story. And she's like, uh, you're you're a slave. Like, wait a minute. You're happy you're a slave. Like, <laughs> it was she was so shocked. She was just like, who says that to another human being? Like right there. That tells me a lot that I need to know about you. Like, she was just like to think that you are happy about the term slave and nowhere in time should you be ever happy about that. And so that was, yeah, that was a thing. Like we have to think about that. Like some of the names that they gave us, you know, sheep. And I, it's like the goats were bad. Well, you know, I think goats are pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) They are bossy and they know what they, (laughs) but I'm just saying, you know, those word terminologies they use, it's really a part of the control. It's really to keep you down. Humble, be humble, be submissive. Um, Don't stumble others. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It lowers who you are as an individual. It just makes you feel like, you should not be valued. And so when you, like I said, being raised in this organization, there were many times that I felt um, like, for instance, getting compliments is hard for me. Or even for my teachers, like, this is an exceptional paper, Rashana. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. And then I'll like crack some weird joke like, well, or, you know, make some make light of the situation because of my not being comfortable with it because I didn't get that. You know, it was something, if you go on service, you get those hours. No one said, yay. It was just like, can you do more? Oh yeah, you felt, you didn't feel worthy of a compliment. Oh no, no, no. I mean, as if you gave a good talk, yeah, they would say that, but then they would also mark these things in your book that you need to work on even more. And so it was never just like, you know, people rooting for you. And so 
because you have to stay humble, you know, don't get too cocky. Don't get too, you know, because those are all qualities of Satan, apparently. So <laughs> it was nothing that we as witnesses can do. And I think that affects you when you leave, because number one, we don't know anything about self-care. And we miss out on those opportunities. And so literally we need to learn that. We need to learn what self-care looks like for us because it's different for each person, but we need self-care. So why don't we talk about your self-care and how you were able to implement this in your life? Yes. So, um, of course, through the help of my therapist, um, I love to journal. I have many journals, but journaling was very good for me. Um, also, I enjoy riding my bike. Um, but therapy itself was self-care. OK, I will say that was self-care for me because I knew the person I wanted to be. And so I needed help getting there. And so acknowledging that I couldn't do it on my own and that I needed that help. That was self-care for me. So I never missed my appointments because I knew that this was going to be a journey and it was going to take years. And I needed that. Um, but you know what? Um, here's a situation that I like to talk about with a therapist, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, like even with us having a conversation right now, we're probably throwing out a lot of terms to people who may not even have a background as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. They may not even understand what we're talking about. So you go to a therapist and you're telling people, just go to a therapist, talk to the therapist. But, you know, how do you educate your therapist about your life? you know, your life experience and have them understand what you've been through. Because when you go there and this is the first time you've gone to your therapist and you're like throwing out all these words and terms that nobody knows anything about, how does that therapist, you know, come to understand what you're actually saying? Exactly. And, you know, that's why it didn't work out with my first one, because when I was talking all they kept hearing was religion. And so they were like telling me about other churches I could go to and other things. And I knew like, that is not what I need right now. I am not ready for that. And so like, it took time, but finding her, it was amazing because she would say to me, well, first of all, she watched her videos. So that helped because she got familiar with it, which is amazing for a therapist to go outside of what they already do to research for their patient. Like that is that sold me right there. Like she honestly cares when I would talk and say certain terminology to me, it made sense to her. She's like theocratic ministry school. Hold up. And she pulled out her pad. She goes, that's one we've never used. <laughs> and so she would write the word down and I would tell her what it means the best way I could. And so I feel like um, if you find someone who's invested in you like that, or um, even another witness, um, there are other XJW witnesses who are into counseling and therapy that have already started to see that that's already like helpful because you don't have to explain anything they already know. My husband is going into therapy, he's finishing his master's. And so there are those out there that do understand, maybe ex-Mormons. So if you can find someone in that area that helps, but if you can't, there are therapists out there. It, I mean, it may not be the first or second person you meet, but once you get that sense that they want to work with you and understand you better, then I think that's what broke the ice for me is when she really was like, let me watch this video. Let me see what this is all about, you know? And then I came back and she had questions for me like, okay, wait a minute. So this, this, and this, 
means what and why would elders you know and so it was just like refreshing to be like whoa she really is into this so she's learning from me but she's also taking what she knows herself and using that to fit for what I've been through Mm -hmm. and I think that was a game changer yeah I I think so and I I think you know uh, therapists are so used to the traditional uh, issues that come across their uh, you know their doorstep and dealing with people with domestic abuse and, you know, violence and drug abuse and stuff like that. And so when they come in and they see a patient that is dealing with, you know, recovering from a religion, it's like, what? Who goes through that? But then there are Jehovah's Witnesses are not the only people that really are high control groups. And we hear about these different groups on TV, on these different oxygen channels that, you know, have you know, like different types of um, high control groups that they feature on these programs. But I don't know whether or not those individuals are seeking therapy or not. Right. You know, and but- many of them, yeah, many of them do. But what what I noticed is if they are minimizing your experience, then that is not for you because we all go through different experiences or trauma, but no one's trauma is less than another person's just because maybe this was physical or maybe this was verbal. It's, it doesn't matter if that therapist sees that situation and they say, this is serious. And I'm going to take this serious as much as you are because something's not right. Then I think that's an eye opening moment where you're like, okay, this person is in it with me to help me. Right. And that's very important. I mean, that, that is very important. If you if you have a person that's trying to help you, I mean, when you go to a doctor, just like a medical doctor, and you go to your doctor and you start telling him different things. I mean, back in the day, they'd have those great big medical books and they would open the book up and start looking up information. And now they can just go to a Google search or go to their medical journals or whatever it is, their peers, you know, and they can look the information up. Everything for a therapist is not going to always be something that they learned in college. You know, a lot of people are going to be learning from the the patients that they see. And so I think it's very important that, as you're saying, you have to educate your therapist. You were giving your therapist video. When you think about it, when you go to a doctor and you're like, I've been having chest pains, something's not right. I'm having difficult breathing. And that doctor is like, "Okay, well, I don't see anything wrong. Like. You're not going to say, forget it. I don't like any doctors. I'm never going to another one. They don't know what they're talking about. You're going to be like, okay, and I'm going to go find me a better doctor who's going to take me seriously and get the test I need because (laughs) this is serious to me, you know? And so you finally find, yeah, you finally find that doctor like, whoa, what's going on? Hold up a minute. And they're calm. We need lab. We need blood testing. We, and you feel like validated, like, yes, something's wrong. And they're like, yes, something is wrong with you. Let's figure this out together. Yeah, That's when you, you don't give up. Exactly. Yeah. And so the same thing with therapy, it, it personalities do not click sometimes. Sometimes the person thinks they can help you and it's not, they're not going to be able to help you in that moment. You just might need someone to listen to, but you got to find your right person and if you can't do therapy because sometimes it is expensive or it's not covered by insurance there are many groups or finding a person you can talk to like I had you to go through what I was going through 
another person, maybe you see another XJW who seems to be someone you feel comfortable talking to. It's just really talking to someone that's going to help you through it. You know what I'm saying? And so everyone may not want a therapist and that's okay because I'm not going to push that. But find someone, someone to talk to, somebody to talk to because you can't do it alone. But you know what? I remember doing a video on my Instagram and I said, have you ever wondered why everybody's all up in your business? Right. So now you 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 don't you don't call everybody all over town. You, you know, you because you, you just want to talk to somebody. And so now you don't pick up the phone. You don't call cousin Lucy, you know, uh, Aunt Mariah and, 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 and Uncle Ben, everybody. You know, and, and, and now you're trying to figure out why everybody is all up in your business. Right. Right. And the reason right. why is because you don't blab your mouth to people. You don't vent it to the wrong people. And now you're walking in places and people looking at you at the corner of their eye trying to figure out. Uh oh, here she come. I wonder if such and such and such a thing. And so you're thinking, what did she tell my business? I mean, so, you know, so I would tell people, yes, you need to talk to somebody, but you got to be careful who you're venting to because you have to trust that person. Because some people, they like they like hearing your bad, your bad news. You know, they like that. And some people are rooting for you to fail. Right. That also is very hurtful to find out, too, when you vent to someone and you tell them. And and that was that was a part of me, too, that I had that distrust. You know, Uh when you vent to someone that you assume has your back, who is who is like, man, I'm going to ride this out with you. And then they turn on you. You're like. Wow, I did not see that. come. But again, like I told you about that, that is based off of them. That is something that's who they are. And you made a you made a mistake, but that's who that person is. And now, you know, and so do better and and move on from that person because they got their own decision. I mean, if you hey, look, like you said, journaling. I mean, I I was talking to somebody and this person just wanted to go off on somebody. And this is not even dealing with uh, religion or nothing like that, but they were just having a bad day. They had a bad, uh, they had a bad encounter with somebody. And I said, look, go to your computer, you know, open up a Microsoft Word document or whatever you use to do your typing or just writing or whatever and start just talking to your computer. And I said, you get a couple of pages written and get the steam off and you should be good to go because you don't want to be going at nobody going off because you're not going to be able to take those words back. Yes, it's you know, over. once it's said, it's done. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's got to be a way to, to offload steam. Yes, that's what I love about journaling too. Because I have looked back on my five or six years, the process of me, and I was like, whoa, that was glad you wrote that one down. <laughs> like, wow girl really I mean you look at it it's like it was it was a serious situation to me because everything was serious at that time but now I can like contemplate and be like wow wow okay now you get it now you've moved on but it's interesting I I, guess I agree with that journaling is the best thing ever yeah so when you look at your life and you know it's been like you said five or six years that you have left this religion um when you have conversations you know, with your therapist, um, how have those conversations changed 
from the day you walked to the front door? How have those conversations evolved? Well, there's a lot less tears. <laughs> um, <laughs> for sure. Um, Cause there's a lot of crying sessions. Um, there was a lot of fear at the beginning because of course, when you don't know where you're going, what you're going to do, where you're headed, what like that is definitely gone. Um, now I'm just headed forward and wherever it takes me, I'm riding it out. <laughs> um, and I feel like um, I know myself. I know who I am. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I know what I love. And I'm sure about those things. And it makes me who I am. And I love who I am. And so, like, that's kind of cool to say that, you know, I love myself, <laughs> you know, and just like, I feel like it makes me a better mother, a better wife. But before all that myself, like, I know who I am. I'm proud of myself. I'm a hard worker. You know, I'm killing it in school. I can say that I'm doing an excellent job. <laughs> and I, I just have like this confidence that I didn't have before. And so it just it makes me feel like um, less weak. You know, I don't I don't feel weak or confused about situations. A lot of times I, I was confused about things or things I didn't understand. I'm OK with I don't understand it, but I can always do research and I can learn. You know, I know that I'm not uh, completely correct on things. My husband is nowhere around. Um, <laughs> I make mistakes, but the thing is that I'm continuously learning. And what's so cool is last year, my therapist literally said that she's like, Roshana, you are not the same person you were like. And that's when it hit me like, yeah, yeah, I've had a I mean, it growth hurts, but it is great when you get to that point you know and it's still I'm still growing I still got a lot of things I need to work on but it's just great that I can I know my identity I know who I am I know what I stand for I know what I fight for I know that it's okay to fight for things when people are being mistreated I I feel you know I I know those things but I also know that I continually will educate myself and learn and be open and listen to my my friends right and their ideas on things and be open to that as you know right. <laughs> you offer me great insight yeah absolutely and you know what when um i was talking to somebody the other day and they said they can't believe that they wait that they got to a point in their lives where they finally found friends that they could um learn from and they were so frustrated because she was saying that she wished that she would have had these friends a long time ago because they had different values and the different values that they had was all about, you know, investing in real estate and, you know, moving ahead in life without, you know, just friends that didn't have any, any, any real goals or plans for life. You know, how do you feel about that? You know, the friends that you had before versus the friends that you have now, which you're learning from them. How, how did that learn? How was the learning process? You know, just being around people that have the same values that you do. Um, so the friends in the organization or those that were Jehovah Witnesses, um, we really couldn't be ourselves because it was always that fear of someone telling on you. 
You know, you couldn't express if you had a doubt about a Watchtower article. You couldn't. I mean, so I would say that we never really got to be real friends unless you got that one person that you trust each other and you could say, hey, I don't. I didn't like this or da da da. We can bounce off. But in the organization, it's very hard to do that because you don't know if someone's going to turn you in at any moment to the elders and be like, hey, I'm kind of worried about this person's spirituality. And so, you know, and also, too, um, we were forced to like each other. I mean, we really all didn't get along. <laughs> there were just there were some families that didn't like other families, but yet they still had dinner. I mean, like it was weird. And it's like, why do we force ourselves? But we had to because right. when you're in Joe's organization, you had to. We all had to think alike. You know, right. we it was like you have to. There was a sister I remember. She had a really cool, eccentric way about her in the way she dressed. Not inappropriate in Jehovah Witness standards, but just different. And it was talked about to the fact that it really just hurt her as a person. And it's like she's doing absolutely nothing wrong, but she didn't fit in to how everybody else you know, dressed or thought what was the appropriate fashion, which they had no fashion. But the whole point is that it was constantly like never really friends. It was just those people that were watching you and making sure you did what you were supposed to do. And so outside of that organization, ain't nobody telling on me. (laughs) If I have a doubt about something to my friend, I can be open about it and not worry at all that she's going to report me to the elders. I can pick my friends. I am not forced to be friends with people. And I think that was another thing I learned too, is I do not have to be friends with everyone. You know, I don't have to be friends just because we had a history. I don't have to be friends just because we have class together. I don't have to be friends because we work together. It's okay to be friendly to people, but have your own set of friends. All right, so that brings us to the close of Hidden Struggles with Rashana, and I look forward to having her as a guest in another video, so be on the lookout for another video. Stay tuned for her take on education. Thanks so much for listening to Hidden Struggles with your host, Lady C. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers, online at hiddenstruggle.com. Feel free to send an email to info at hiddenstruggle.com, and we'll catch you next time on Hidden Struggles. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Critical Thinkers.